Hey, everybody, it's Bill Courtney with an Army of Normal Folks, and we will continue with part two of our conversation with Gina Harris right after these brief messages from our generous sponsors. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Alec Baldwin. This past season on my podcast, Here's the Thing, I spoke with more actors, musicians, policymakers, and so many other fascinating people, like actress and director Cheryl Hines. They were looking for an unknown actress. (laughs) To play Larry David's wife. I said, well, how old is that guy? Isn't he old? (laughs) And author David Sedaris. You know, like when you meet somebody and they'll say, well, I want to be a writer or I want to be an artist. And I say, well, is it all you care about? Because if it's not, it's going to be pretty hard for you. If you're not on fire, it's like opening the door of an oven. And it's like, wow, you know, you take a step back It's all they think about. It's all they talk about. It's all they care about. They don't have relationships. They're not good friends for other people. This is just what they're laser focused on. Listen to the new season of Here's the Thing on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Now we continue with Gina on the news she received only four months after the loss of her son, David. So we got pregnant right away. and Are you excited or scared? A little of both. But, you know, I read story after story, and typically people don't have multiple losses like this. So we – and they couldn't find anything genetic or chromosomally, so it was just kind of – for lack of better words, a fluke that it happened. And so um, things were going fairly well, but then um, they said the earliest you can come in is 16 weeks into the pregnancy. So we went in and the perinatologist is looking at everything and he got really quiet. And my husband and I just looked at each other and we knew. Um, So he said, go ahead and go into my office. And I mean, he just, he said nothing. Um, and he said, your baby has, um, I don't know if he knew everything exactly at that time, but we ended up finding out that our baby had cystic hygromas and high drops and cystic hygromas are cysts around the neck. And then high drops is severe swelling and fluid buildup all around the baby's organs. Um, they weren't able to tell the gender of the baby at that point. And, they knew like that we wanted to carry our baby as long as possible. They were surprised that he was even alive still. Um, 
with his condition. And um, then 24 weeks into the pregnancy, um, they just had me come in every week because I wasn't going to be able to feel him move. And um, they said his heart stopped. So um, they said, well, you know, you can go home for a few days or you can induce. And I'm like, what am I going to do at home? So we went to the hospital and they induce labor um, at that same time. So this is now June after the October we lost David. While we were at the hospital, we got a call from the company that was doing the headstone for our son, David. And um, we just were like, let's hold off. There was a plot at the cemetery um, right next to David. There's a baby section and we buried them in the cemetery where my dad and my sister are buried and all of my mom's side of the family, like the six generations back. Well, you um, know, I'm doing the math on this. If you got pregnant four months after, and then this happened at 24 weeks, we're not even a year removed from no. the loss of your first child. No. Yeah. So I, but I knew that plot was open next to David and I didn't want to, give up hope. But I also knew that if that plot got taken, I'd be really devastated that our second baby wouldn't be by his big brother. And, um, so I'm in the hospital. And so I, I called the cemetery weeks before, um, the baby's heart stopped. And I call, I, I called the cemetery. I'm like, can you just hold it for me? And, um, I remember we went out there on father's day right before our second baby was born. And I'm like, I hope we're not back here for, two. And, um, but the heart stopped and we delivered our baby and we named him Ethan. His condition was really, really severe. Um, I had a camera in my bag and I thought about just taking pictures of his hands and feet or maybe of him wrapped in a blanket of us just holding him. But I didn't do that. And, um, we didn't want to bring a photographer out because his condition just, was really tough. It was rough. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, biggest my regret gosh. in my life, I didn't get photographs of Ethan and in the years following, and this is just to say what these photographs do. Oftentimes we felt like people would forget Ethan because I didn't have the photographs that David would get mentioned, but not Ethan. And that's the power of the photographs. I know what it's like to have the photographs and to start that journey with them. And I know what it's like to not have them. And the photographs mean everything. But Ethan was the inspiration behind our medical affiliate program at Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep. Because if there are 40,000 babies we could be photographing every year, and we're only doing 10% of them, we wanted to find ways we could do that. And there are situations it's not conducive for a photographer to come out, or maybe a family might feel uncomfortable. And so we have a program that trains nurses. Um, they get uh, continuing education units. We teach them how to photograph the babies. Most nurses are already doing that. They would send us photographs. We'd retouch them. Um, but it wasn't a formal program. So we formalized it. They get the continuing education units. The, um, with parent permission, the nurses upload the images onto our online or secure online gallery and our digital retouch artists retouch those images. So babies like Ethan can be photographed and, um, 
families can receive something. So we also have that program available for the nurses. Ideally, the photographer is going to come in and obviously do the great job as a photographer, but when they're not available, then we have that for the nurses. And the thing that Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep does is the digital retouching. We deliver the images in black and white, and we never change the appearance of a baby, but there's different things that happen with a baby when they pass away, like bruising and skin tears. So we do retouch those, but, um, you know, one baby I'm thinking of that had six toes. Well, we don't edit out one of the toes. Um, that's something that made that particular baby unique. I've seen a picture and to me, it looked like a sleeping baby in a blanket. Mm -hmm. It was actually a beautiful, warm, loving picture. And Gosh, this sounds horrible to say, but I didn't feel like I was looking at a dead child. I just looked like I was looking at somebody's baby. And once I saw that picture and I read what you've had to say, I started to get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even as someone who had been through it. So <laughs> you and Rob have got to be having some serious discussions about having a family at this point. Mm -hmm. I mean... Sure, we were two traumatic situations. You are you thinking no more children? Well, you know, at that point we were grieving the loss of our babies, but also the fact that we may never have children and grieving that as well. Yes. Right. And so we weren't sure what to do because the doctors couldn't find any connection and the only thing we were told was maybe you can't have a healthy boy because maybe one of my X chromosomes was passing on to the boy, but th that was just still a theory. And so my husband and I did try two more times and those pregnancies ended in miscarriage. And at that point, um, we didn't know what we were going to do. And it was 2011. And I found out about now I lay me down to sleep. They were looking for a CEO. Um, I wasn't looking for a job. I just came across it just being a nonprofit and so I reached out to Cheryl, one of the founders. And who knew the strength of it more than you? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so um, Cheryl said, we just hired the position, but send your resume anyway. And because of where I had worked before, we had a lot of government grants. So I didn't have to make a resume because those always had to go in with the grants we applied for. And so I just sent it on with a letter. And then a week later, they called me and they said that the person they offered it to declined. And so they brought me in and the interview was more like, how can we get you to work here? <laughs> so um, it was it was a really big move for me because I didn't know what we were going to be doing about children. I had no idea, um, but we were just kind of putting a pause on it. And by that point, I think I'm, what, 37, 38 years old. My, my clock's ticking and we just, we weren't sure. We kind of loosely started looking at adoption, um, but we weren't sure. And then I literally was at, now I lay me down to sleep for, would have been two months, and I found out I was pregnant. We were not planning it. Like the, the, It's not, I mean, listen, this is one of the deepest, um, most heart-tugging podcasts I've ever done. And typically, I do a lot of off off the cuff jokes in the middle of stuff, but I just, I, I can't muster them right mm -hmm. now. 
But uh, I, I do have to say, I can't help but notice the irony <laughs> that after everything you've been through and you're 37 years old and you take a job as the director of this unbelievable volunteer nonprofit organization who has meant so much to you and your husband and your mm -hmm. family, and then you get pregnant again. Yeah, and I <laughs> don't know how it crazy. happened either. <laughs> I didn't even see him. I was leaving my other job and coming into a new one, but it was a really big surprise. And so um, I'm thinking, how am I going to walk through this pregnancy? Because the odds are I'm going to lose this baby because I had already lost four. So I, um, you know, I just took it day by day. We'll be right back. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Alec Baldwin. This past season on my podcast, Here's the Thing, I spoke with more actors, musicians, policymakers, and so many other fascinating people, like actress and director Cheryl Hines. They were looking for an unknown actress. <laughs> <laughs> to play Larry David's wife. I said, well, how old is that guy? Isn't he old? <laughs> and author David Sedaris. You know, like when you meet somebody and they'll say, well, I want to be a writer or I want to be an artist. And I say, well, is it all you care about? Because if it's not, it's going to be pretty hard for you. If you're not on fire, it's like opening the door of an oven. And it's like, wow, you know, you take a step back it's all they think about. It's all they talk about. It's all they care about. They don't have relationships. They're not good friends for other people. This is just what they're Where all their energy focused goes. on. Yeah. yeah. Listen to the new season of Here's the Thing on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Martha Stewart, and we're back with a new season of my podcast. This season will be even more revealing and more personal with more entrepreneurs, more trailblazers, more live events, more Martha, and more questions from you. I'm talking to my cosmetic dermatologist, Dr. Dan Belkin, about the secrets behind my skincare. Walter Isaacson, about the geniuses who change the world. Encore Jane, about creating a billion-dollar startup. Dr. Elisa Pressman, about the five basic strategies to help parents raise good humans. Florence Fabricant about the authenticity in the world of food writing. Be sure to tune in to season two of the Martha Stewart podcast. Listen and subscribe to the Martha Stewart podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We got through the first trimester and things were looking good. I can read ultrasounds now. I'm like, I see amniotic fluid. And looking back at Ethan's ultrasound when he was 
younger, I could see the cystic hygromas, but they weren't looking for that at the OB's office. So, um, and you didn't know what you were looking for back then. I didn't know then, but I, I know now. now so yeah. I have a backup career. Um, <laughs> <laughs> see, sometimes we can joke. Okay. <laughs> um, so I am, I, yeah. So just taking it day by day and then we'd get phone calls and somebody's the same, you know, 28 weeks gestation or whatever. And I'm like, Oh, that's how far along I am. And, um, but at the 16 weeks, we were able to see if this baby would be healthy. And um, I'm thinking this baby's healthy, like, and I'm thinking this baby's a girl. And uh, me being this cheer coach, I'm like, when can I get her into cheerleading? So, and there's more to this, okay? I, I have to ask you something <laughs> in the middle of this. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I, I just, you, you've, you, you, you've, you've lost four children. Mm-hmm. And... And and now you're running the organization that takes pictures of dead children for grieving families. Yes. And you're pregnant. I cannot imagine that every time there's a call or every time there's every time your organization sends a photographer out, you have to be identifying with that and then internally wondering, mm -hmm. am I going to do this again? Am I, I mean, you hadn't been freaking out a little. I, I, I'd have been freaking out. Mm -hmm. If I was Rob, I'd have really been freaking out because, I mean, you know, I'm kind of old school, but I, I kind of feel like one of my biggest jobs in life is to defend and make my family feel safe. My beautiful wife and my four children. It's my job to make them safe. And Rob can't. And I can only in this situation, and my only, I, I just, I can't even imagine what he's going through. Mm. Well, and he, if he were here right now, he would say, like, especially when I lost Ethan, just because there was a lot of complications going on just with me, um, that he's never felt so helpless that's, that he can't do that's anything. Horrific. Yeah, yeah. So, that so was, you're pregnant, and you're managing this nonprofit that takes pictures of babies and you yourself are not completely convinced that you won't have to go through this again and you're trying to carry this child to term having lost four children you had to have been out of your mind a little bit had to have with um, concern well i mean one thing that's helpful is we have dispatch lines in all of our cities so i'm not taking all the calls or fielding them but like sometimes things come up to me or after the fact and then i'm talking to a family later or they made a donation so i'm calling and thanking them and i'm hearing their story and thinking, oh, they lost their baby at this point, and I'm at this point, and I'm not sharing with them, of course, that, hey, I'm pregnant. So, you know, just, but I will say um, it was hard, but I think because I've just been through stuff in life, um, I just, unfortunately, I can function in trauma. You soldiered on is what you did. Yeah, like. yeah, and I know not everyone could do that. Um, you know, just my faith really is, is a big part of it, but unfortunately I have a gift of being highly functioning in dysfunctional chaotic situations and traumatic situations. And I think that's probably why I was able to do it because unfortunately I've been just kind of grew up with like this trauma, then that trauma, then this happening. Um, so tell us about the pregnancy. Okay, so 
I am thinking, okay, I think this is a girl and I want to get her into cheerleading. So I look it up. I'm like, she has to be 18 months old, you know, to to cheer. (laughs) Or I think it was gymnastics. Got to get the tumbling first, right? So um, we go in and um, we were cautiously optimistic. And I said, if this baby is healthy, it's a miracle. If this baby's a boy, it's a bigger miracle. And so um, she goes through, she checks everything out. And she said, your baby's completely healthy. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, we were so excited. She said, do you want to know the gender? And we said, yes, (laughs) we want to know. And on the screen, it popped up, it's a boy. And uh, we were being told that we were having a healthy baby boy that we were told we couldn't have. Miracle of miracles. Yes, yes. And um, so, but I'm only 16 weeks into the pregnancy and I've got to go 40. And man, I went in like almost every week just to be like, I don't know if I felt a move for like three minutes. Can you check? Um, right. You know, I'm just checking. So anyone who's going through a pregnancy after a loss, like don't worry about how they look at you or how they act when you go into the doctor and just say, check my baby, please. Um, always count the kicks, like keep track. Um, but it was like, it was, it was, the pregnancy was pretty good. And, um, uh, yeah. So I ended up in 2012, August of 2012. Um, they were going to induce me early because of my risk. And I told them, I, I said, I'm due August 20th. And they're like, no, you're due August 27th. I'm like, I know I'm due August 20th. Like, I know the math. I I kept telling them I'm due August 20th. They said, well, we're going to induce August 21st. And I'm like, but you need to do it a week early and I'm due August 20th. They're like, no, you're not. And I'm like, I know when I got pregnant. I know I'm due the 20th. They wouldn't listen to me. So um, probably like 2 a.m. on August 20th, my water broke. And so I went to, <laughs> of course. I went to the hospital and um everything was just working. Like with David, I had to have they had to try twelve times to get my epidural. Twelve. I have the record at St. Joe's Hospital in Denver, by the way, I think. And with Ethan, it was multiple times. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm doing this all natural because I don't want to. Like give me the drugs, but I also am like, don't want a needle going in my back that many times. That's scary too. So I told, and it um, doesn't feel good. Yeah. I told the anesthesiologist, anesthesiologist, a woman, by the way, <laughs> I was like, you have one try <laughs> and she did it because there's something weird in my back. I don't have an injury or anything, but, um, that was what the issue was. And, um, she got on the first try. I'm like, can I buy you a gift card or something? Like, what can I do for you? So, um, I'm, you know, we're laboring, but then, um, I'm not really dilating, uh, my baby went meconium, like all these things are happening. The heart rate's going up and down and it's like 5 PM at that point. So it's been like 14, 15 hours since my water broke. And of course I know, you know, I know everything that can go wrong. I know every story of how a baby died. Like I know all the stories. It's what you do for a living now. Yeah. And so I asked the doctor, I'm like, are we? I need to get a C-section. And she said, if you, um, she said, if something doesn't change in the next hour or two, we probably will. But if you want to make that decision to do it, we'll just go ahead and do it. And I just didn't want to make the wrong decision. Like that was my biggest fear that I'd make this decision. So she left and she was only gone for a minute. My husband and I started talking about it. They ran in, they said, your baby made the decision because of the heart rate. 
they rushed me in and thankfully I had that epidural because then I was like ready and prepped for a C-section and um, we have it on video and this just actually popped up as a Facebook memory um, of, I told my husband, I'm like, you get video no matter what happens. Like you just let it roll, let the video roll. And with, you know, a C-section, it takes a little bit for the baby to cry, but our son, RJ, um, let out his first cry and it was the most amazing sound you could ever hear because, um, I, yeah, just, and, and hearing my husband and me and our responses just on video, just, it was beautiful. So, um, we now have a healthy 10 year old boy and, um, he's just, he is so insightful Um, he always knew his big brothers. We brought him home from the hospital, the onesie that said little brother and, um, you know, took him to the cemetery with, you know, David and Ethan, they're buried next to each other. And, um, we, um, you know, he's just always known his big brothers and he knows David and Ethan. Like I have video of him when he was two and he's, he's like, David, Ethan brothers. And just saying that, um, But when he was about five or six, um, this kid, (laughs) he's like, mommy, do you have, did you have, have any other babies in your tummy besides David and Ethan and me? And I'm not going to lie to him. I mean, I share my story, but you know, he wouldn't have heard my whole story. And I said, actually I did. They were very, very tiny. And, um, he's like, what's their names? And I said, well, daddy and I, we just had nicknames for them. One was called Sib for sibling, a uh, little sibling. And then the other one was BB for baby. And so that's Sib and BB. And if you ask RJ how many siblings he has, he'll say he has four big brothers in heaven, David, Ethan, Sib, and BB. And um, he's he's 10 now. And um, I, I'm glad that he knows his big brothers. Um, during the pandemic, I think he was seven at that time. It became really apparent um, that his brothers weren't here because he went probably two or three months without seeing a kid at all. Mm. Um, and he would cry like, I wish I had my brothers here because he'd be on like FaceTime with friends and stuff. Yeah, he's bored. He yeah. And they'd be with their siblings. And I think it was that time he really, he really understood like, wow, I should have brothers. Um, and even to this day, he, there's times where he'll say stuff. Um, but he's been given just such a gift of just gentleness, but fierceness. And, um, even when I remember driving him to kindergarten one day and he said, mommy, will you tell me more about your dad? Like, he's like, tell me about Papa. That's what the grandkids called my dad. And of course my son never knew him. And, um, I told him about my dad and he's like, I'm sorry that your dad died when you were so young. Like the insight and the wisdom and the compassion he had so young, and he still does. We'll be right back. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get 
anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Alec Baldwin. This past season on my podcast, Here's the Thing, I spoke with more actors, musicians, policymakers, and so many other fascinating people, like actress and director Cheryl Hines. They were looking for an unknown actress <laughs> right. to play Larry David's wife. I said, well, how old is that guy? Isn't he old? <laughs> and author David Sedaris. You know, like when you meet somebody and they'll say, well, I want to be a writer or I want to be an artist. And I say, well, is it all you care about? Because if it's not, it's going to be pretty hard for you if you're not on fire. It's like opening the door of an oven and it's like, wow, you know, you take a step back. It's all they think about. It's all they talk about. It's all they care about. They don't have relationships. They're not good friends for other people. This is just what they're they're focused on. Listen to the new season of Here's the Thing on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Martha Stewart, and we're back with a new season of my podcast. This season will be even more revealing and more personal, with more entrepreneurs, more trailblazers, more live events, more Martha, and more questions from you. I'm talking to my cosmetic dermatologist, Dr. Dan Belkin, about the secrets behind my skincare. Walter Isaacson, about the geniuses who change the world. Encore Jane, about creating a billion-dollar startup. Dr. Elisa Pressman, about the five basic strategies to help parents raise good humans. Florence Fabricant, about the authenticity in the world of food writing. Be sure to tune in to season two of the Martha Stewart Podcast. Listen and subscribe to the Martha Stewart Podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When you're talking to other parents who now I lay me down to sleep has taken pictures for, Mm -hmm. are your feelings and stories similar? I mean, is it almost a universal thing that that the work that now I lay me does down to sleep does and the, 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 the photographers that volunteer, is it almost universal that, um, their life is enriched by having those photos? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, over and over and over. And do the siblings of those parents also identify with that? Yes, absolutely. Um, now, being with the organization almost 12 years, and this organization's 18 years old now, I um, I just interviewed um, Erica and Tom. Their baby, Matthew, was the first baby to receive photographs from Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep as an organization. And Cheryl, the founder, um, she had lost her baby Maddox just a few months prior, three months prior, and started this organization like in her grief. So Eric and Tom have kids that came after Matthew, and we talked about that, but I over and over and over, the siblings, the parents, um, grandparents, they're just so grateful. Um, if anything I get back from parents are if they ended up not or declining our services, 
they tell us, tell the nurses to be persistent, like to basically force parents to, and they can't do that, honestly. But I do think the medical affiliate program is a amazing way that we can still get the photographs. And we tell the families, you never have to look at them, but they'll always be there. We sadly get some families that, yeah, they come back and they wish they would have gotten those photographs or they've reached out to hospitals to see like, did you take any pictures of my baby? So you can take photographs. You don't have to look at them. Correct. If if you feel like it's not something you want to do, but three years later, if you do, they're there. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. You're in 40 countries? Well, we have been present in 40 countries. We've um, paired that back because we weren't really able to serve some of them very well. Like, we'll give them information, but language and cultural barriers uh, really hinder our ability to do a good job there. So we give them the information if they want to do that. But um, we're basically in a lot of the European countries and Australia and South Africa and New Zealand. It's phenomenal. It's a phenomenal story that... (laughs) You are the beneficiary, and it means so much to you, of an organization that you end up being the executive director of. And while you're the executive director of it, you finally get delivered to you a healthy baby. It's a beautiful story. And they're called rainbow babies. Rainbow babies. That's the term. That's what RJ is. Mm Mm-hmm. Is a rainbow baby yes. because that's just that promise. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. The promise, for sure. I get it. So I share um my own email address and you know one of one of the one of the goals obviously one of the goals of the podcast is to tell thought provoking stories um redemptive stories and of course explain that the amazing work you've done and your amazing story just an, a normal kid from Colorado who dealt with a whole lot of stuff but look where you are now and how much this organization now lay me down to sleep has meant in your life. And we hope that there's a photographer out there listening or two or yes. three photographers listening, or maybe even a, a, a mother and a father right now dealing with some of the things you and Rob dealt with. And uh, so we want to, we, we, we share who we are. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you about either, volunteering for Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep or need your services? How do they get in mm-hmm. touch with you? Go to nowilaymedowntosleep.org. And then if you need services, just click on find a photographer. We really recommend that the nurse call us. Um, but if you know ahead of time, like I did, then call ahead of time and then we can arrange for a, a photographer to be there if there's an induction day or a C-section scheduled. Um, so if you're needing a photographer, just click find a photographer. And if you're interested in volunteering, just click on volunteer. And that has all the information. We need photographers. Um, we also need digital retouch artists. We also need other volunteers to help spread the word and do other work for us. We like dispatchers too. So we have people that are not photographers that dispatch the calls and help arrange to get photographers to the hospital. Got it. I- I'm going to tell you something, Gina. I'm, uh- Amazing story about Nami laying me down to sleep. Also amazing story about your own personal perseverance through an enormous amount of tragedy. And I sit here and I look at this mom who is running this organization, who just renewed her vows to her football coach husband, Rob, and has RJ. Is RJ playing football, by the way? Well, there's more to that story. So... 
we put him in everything, football, baseball, yeah. basketball. So, and he did pretty well at several, several of those sports. Well, not even two years ago, he's like, Mommy, will you teach me a backhand spring? I was like, sure. <laughs> oh, he got his mom's jeans. And he, <laughs> like, he like I had taught him a cartwheel before that. And then we're, we're on the trampoline. I'm like, you can move this to the grass. Let's do it on the grass. And then my husband said, should we put him in all-star cheer? That was my husband, football coach. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I imagine my son being a football player, but I mean, sure. So we brought him in and we thought maybe he could do like a, just like a prep team or something. And the coach there was like, we'd like to put him on an elite team. Okay. This is July of 2021. So he, he does an elite team. It's, you know, in Denver and he um, loves it. And he's like, and then I'm like, I'm old school. I'm like, boys are bases. Like, make him base. He's not a flyer. Well, then he pulled one of his crazy flexibility tricks. It's called a scorpion, for those of you who know cheer. And the coach looked up at the window at me, and I just put my arms up. And he's like, you're going up. And RJ was the boy flyer on the team. Then they moved him up to level two this last year. And he is like, he now has pretty much level five tumbling skills. So that's like, he has a full, like, I don't know well, how much you Colorado all know. Colorado Springs is not too far from you. That's where the Olympics are, where the Olympic committee is. Well, so cheerleading is going to be an Olympic sport. It's been voted in. Right. I yeah, know. Team that's USA. why I said that. So he, um, so then his team didn't qualify for summit, which is like the big thing at the end of the season in Florida. So they asked him to move up to the level four team to fly. And he did amazing. We just got back from Florida a few weeks ago. <laughs> and now he's he next year he's old enough to try out for the youth team USA. And ask the coaches, you can ask my husband. Like I did not push this. This is him. <laughs> he's like I'm going to the Olympics and he's teaching himself like he's flipping on his own. He's he has a full now which is you're flipping and twisting at the same time. And it's like all him. And I keep having to tell him, like, stop, RJ. It's time to go to bed. Like, he trains and trains. He, is, we have a tumble track. So <laughs> it's probably my fault because I was looking up, when can I get my kid into cheerleading? But I was thinking I was having a girl. <laughs> but I'm just so excited as a mom and a coach that he's not just like, oh, I like cheer. You know, because I always said, if I have a girl, she either be better be very good at cheer or just don't like it because I don't know if I want well, <laughs> and it, he's good. So he's going to go all the parent, way. <laughs> as any parent listening to this and you and I as parents and all other parents know, these kids do not come out with an owner's manual <laughs> and they do. And, and you can, I, I believe that the old nature versus nurture thing, we can guide them and teach them and love them and channel their energies. But if they're going to be a football player, they're going to be a football player. If they're going to be a cheerleader, they're going to be a cheerleader. Mm -hmm. And it's our job just to uh, to try to usher that along as best we can. So I listen. <laughs> I had a I had I had all kinds of expectations that all four of my kids were going to be X, and none of them are that. And they are the most delicious, rewarding thing in my life. And my expectations be damned. I'll take them just like they mm -hmm. are. 
Well, I always thought it would be cool to raise an Olympian. I'm like, oh my gosh, this could be realistic. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And the cheerleading gets voted in as an Olympic sport. And then, and then here son, comes and it was flying RJ. Not, I didn't tell him I wanted that for him. <laughs> he just, he's just disciplined and It's focused amazing. And, but what's the most amazing thing is that you and Rob were blessed after all the years of mm-hmm. trying and after a father and a sister and four children that at your point in life, you're running an organization, taking care of people who have dealt with trauma, just like you dealt with and raising your son. And Gina, you are just a normal person who had an extraordinary life and are doing extraordinary work with, with now lay me down to sleep. And it has been my distinct honor to meet you. Thank you. It's so nice to meet you. Thank you for being here. And thank you for joining us this week. If Gina or any other guest has inspired you in general, or better yet, to take action by becoming a volunteer photographer, telling friends who are photographers about Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep, introducing your hospital to them, or donating to them, or something else entirely, guys, I really want to hear about it. You can write me anytime at bill at normalfolks.us, and I promise you, I'll respond. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and on social. Subscribe to the podcast, rate, review it, become a premium member at normalfolks.us. All these things that you can do that can help us grow an army of normal folks. I'm Bill Courtney. I'll see you next week. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now, this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.